Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Sony Open. It's storylines, it's best bets, it's one and done. Joining me to break it all down, Patrick McDonald is here for now because he just told us he's going to the range here shortly. Hi, Patrick. Gentlemen, what's going on? Yeah, let's uh, let's make this one a little quicker than usual, but we got the mega, mega preview, like you said, Rick, and uh, first field, uh, full field event. I'm, I'm pumped. Patrick on the way out, Kyle Porter on the way in from the golf course today. Kyle, hello, sir. Yeah, big day of golf. I, I don't, I think that's one of the biggest, I don't know about you guys, one of the biggest misconceptions about this job is like people, they always ask me, oh, you must play golf all the time. And the answer is is no, I, I never do <laughs> uh, because I have four kids. It, it's not a, uh, I, I, I write about golf for a living. I don't play it for a living. So I, do you guys get that question? Yeah, but I sh- I'm, I play. I'm sure I play a lot more golf than you guys do. <laughs> you you for sure play more than me. Yeah, I get it a lot. I haven't played since Thanksgiving though. Um, and then I, I've gotten really into like tennis and pickleball lately. So, yeah, and, th- and those are a, a bit cheaper, uh, easier on the wallet. So. Yeah. I know this only happens like once a year, but I'm actually like quite, it's pouring here in Vegas. I I couldn't even go to the course if I wanted to. And now I feel like you guys got, you guys have better weather situations than me when I have a better weather situation than everyone most of the time. Well, didn't you play Shadow Creek this weekend? (laughs) (laughs) You poor poor man. You poor man. Rick was begging you to ask about (laughs) that. The tiny violins are being broken. Man. Yeah, no one, uh, no one is getting much sympathy. I'm not getting much sympathy here. But yes, awesome I played Shadow Prince. Creek this weekend. It was absolutely perfect weather, and it was perfect out there. It's awesome. That, that video of you feeding the ducks was electric. Dude. So okay, so there's these ducks. You you might they showed up for the Tiger film match. You might remember them. They're just always out there. They stand on these on like the sixth green. They don't care. They're like there, and I guess our caddy feeds them peanuts which you're probably not supposed to do uh but as he was a hundred yards away and he shook his peanut pack and they made a beeline in in the pond swam over as fast as they could then we're just taking it out of our hands it was wild damn you know what we need to do before the end of the year i don't i don't know if this is logistically possible but if we could get a match between us three and craig i will that would be that would be awesome. Wherever I need to fly, wherever we need to f- put this together. What is, what is, uh, Greg's probably like a two, right? Greg is definitely, he'll definitely sandbag us. I mean, he was, I mean, yes, but he always acts like, oh, I don't play. I, I, I'm not, he's probably listed sharp. as like a five and a half or something dumb. Yeah. Sandbagger. That'd be a good. But it would be good. I, I almost feel like you could play it without any strokes. Like if you, if you matched up the right people. Right. That would be a lot of fun. All right. We'll have it to get a uh, so much fun. Let's we'll get that situated. Do you want to talk about Immelman gate now, or should we wait until the actual one? No, and let's portion? do it. Let's do it during the one and done. Cause we, right. we need to show the graph and yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, I, we'll, we'll push it. I got to get more riled up as the show progresses too. <laughs> professional tease. We've got, <laughs> we've got a second or third day of just absolute drama around the one and done, but we'll start with a little bit of uh, news coming out of the golf world here. Wingsfoot. Back on the schedule, 2028 U.S. Open, uh, Patrick. This will be the seventh time that Wingsfoot will will host the U.S. Open. Obviously, the last time we had it there, uh, Bryson brought it to its knees. And I'm sure we'll talk about it in a second, but there were kind of some questions about whether we could go back to Wingsfoot anytime soon. Yeah, I have a couple thoughts on them announcing this. The first is, didn't the greenskeeper say he would resign if they <laughs> shot under par? at Wingfoot. So do you think it's a new guy? Uh, I don't know. It might be. Yeah. I want to know if he's a man of his word. Um, And then obviously the players were a bit upset kind of since it played right into someone like Bryson's hands, as we saw. And 
the third, this is kind of just the U.S. Open in general. They've announced venues through 2051, which is just absurd to me that they do this. I, I don't really understand the logic or, you know, maybe they should make it a bit more ceremonial. Uh, it's a big deal for some of these courses getting it. I know they've started a bit of a rotation here, but 2051, like so much could get, happen between now and then. That's 30 years. And that's kind of what just stuck out to me is they have it through 2051 and we're just now announcing 2028. Um, but yeah, good for Wingfoot, good for New York. Uh, it'll have fans this time. So th- that'll be a different aspect oh. involved. But yeah. That's right. I forgot there was no fans at Wingfoot that year interesting uh kp greg has said <laughs> on this podcast <laughs> uh he wasn't sure if we could go back to to wigs foot uh with, i think he with- said he didn't care if we went back there. like that's okay if we don't go back there right isn't that wasn't that like yeah. more along the lines of what he that was getting at? It, was, it was a pretty strong take yeah i think well there's a couple things here with wingfoot I, I think wingfoot is actually a pretty good litmus test for what are we doing with equipment right with with the ball and the and the the equipment regulations because i think that you know if you go there in, in 2028 that's a long time from now and as as driving distance uh, average driving distance continues to rise it it, it becomes th- those those weeks when you have majors at a place like that become such like inflection points. I I genuinely, I said this in the moment, I genuinely think the 2020 U.S. Open was an inflection point in golf history because I think that the USGA and the RNA and everybody that's kind of involved in these regulations is looking at that and saying, man, like, and maybe they're not, I I don't have any insight to this, but they, they, if they change regulations or rules in the future, I have to think that 2020 at, at Wingfoot is like plays into that. Like you don't, you don't want this classic iconic course that can't expand anymore to just get decimated like that. And I'm curious about, you know, are there regulations in place by 2028 or has it just gone further and become even more of a talking point? So I think that's interesting. I think, I think the lineup, I mean, the road of, of us open courses is, is it's pretty amazing right if you look at the next like through the 2020s it's lacc it's piners twice pebble marion wingfoot oakmont shinnecock i might be missing one in there you got it and i mean what's the worst course in there pebble pinehurst marion probably pebble right which is crazy because Pebble is is at least for a U.S. Open. I, I think Pebble gets oh, it gets um, kind of a bad rap because it you can play it. It's it's fairly public, and because it hosts a regular tour event, I think those others get a little bit more prestige because they only host majors. They're for the most part that I can think of. I guess Pinehurst, Pinehurst is public, but everything else pretty much private. Uh, Pebble is still an amazing course. I mean, it's it's truly there's some unbelievable holes on the front specifically at the end of the front nine beginning of the back nine uh but for that to be the worst course in your roto over the next eight years is is pretty special that there's a there's a three-year stretch 2028 and then 2030 is marion and patrick that's like if we can't expand and we're going to have equipment and distance conversations and what's going to happen at us opens and if these sites are viable for the future there's going to be a lot of that chatter over those three years because we've already talked about wigfoot marion marion's there's nowhere to go the acreage is absolutely tiny it's it's not something we're going to hear the end of yeah, Marion last time out was, if I'm not mistaken, one of the shorter U.S. Opens, correct? It's it's short, and it's also just like the plot of land is like the smallest plot of land in U.S. Open history or something outrageous like that. Well, and, and what they have to do, this the big complaint last time was just how tricked out they are tricked up. They had to they had to make the course because it was so short and mm-hmm. it just leads to these. It, it's just not a it's not a good situation. Um, and you know, a lot of that is like, okay, eventually that's going to happen to Wingfoot if it's not already happening, you know? And so over time, courses like that become outdated, not because they're not amazing, but because equipment is, is in my opinion, completely out of control. 
Yeah, you can only grow the rough so high, make the green so firm and fast before it just becomes putt-putt of some sort. So to put this into perspective, the acreage that the East Course at Marion sits on is a, a 126 acres. Augusta National, 365 acres. So you're talking about nearly triple the land space uh, between those two venues. The- and, and honestly, Augusta is not – it doesn't feel sprawling. I mean, it's it's big, but it, it doesn't feel Aaron Hillsy or even Shinnecocky, right? It, it, it's 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 a fairly. I I would say it's a fairly like moderate footprint, and so that just gives you an idea of, of what Marion is working with there. What what's the game plan? Right. Like what's the game plan at Wingsfoot? Because uh, Patrick, you said it it really lends itself to a game like Bryson DeChambeau. Those fairways were very narrow. Everyone was missing them. The rough was very thick. And when everyone's playing out of the rough, the guy with the club head speed, Bryson DeChambeau, also Matthew Wolf, uh, they are going to find the most success. So what's what's the solution? They're going to have to widen the fairways, you would think, and kind of go back to the graduated rough that they've been doing. I don't think they did at Wingfoot that year because, you know, the wide misses were just as penal as the really close ones. So that's something that's going to change. But at the halfway point, Patrick Reed was actually leading. I do remember that much. Yeah. He shot he shot 45 uh, to open Saturday. Uh, so there, there was some sort of path there for kind of the scramblers, which always kind of pop up at the U.S. Opens. But they got to make it more fair off the tee uh, in particular would be, would be my guess just because everyone was missing fairways. And when that happens, it's going to be, like you said, Bryson DeChambeau, Matthew Wolf, the really heavy hitters. Right. I, I've actually, I've actually seen arguments. This might've been on the fried egg, but for uh, just shorter, shorter rough, because you get these, when you have long rough, it's almost more, I'm not going to explain this right, but it's almost more controllable versus uh, short rough. It, you get these flyers, and you get you get a lot of you get a lot more variables, right? You get just a lot of things that are brought into play. Um, so I don't know. I think that's one interesting option that I'm sure Brando would disagree with. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think you do have to widen it a little bit. Uh, but I mean, listen, like. Bryson was the only one under par. I know he was six under, but nobody, I think Matt Wolf was second at even, right? Mm -hmm. He was there. Yeah. That's kind of the thing that makes me think it's a little, a little bit overblown. Like, okay, yeah, he won by six shots and he, but, but the, the rest of the field, the other, what, 150 guys uh, couldn't break par or I guess Matt Wolf was even par. And I think another option is remember. So I remember Jay, he led after the first round with 65, I think. I think he was five under. Mm-hmm. You could probably, from like a green and pin and firmness standpoint, dial it up a little bit earlier in the week. Like, I, I think the USGA has done a really good job over the last few years of, of gradually making it harder as the week goes on, which is, is interesting. But I think you could dial it up a little bit more on day one, too. And then all of a sudden, you're not really in a position necessarily to shoot you know, six under on Sunday. I, I don't know. I, again, Bryson was the only one that did it. So clearly he did something right. I, I think the distance thing is just such a, uh, it's such a, it's such an interesting part of playing that golf course. And um, I was looking back at some Rory quotes where he said, like, I didn't think he was going to be able to do this at a, at a proper golf course. And he said, this course is as proper as they come. And he was still able to do it, which is I think a little bit of Testament to, to Bryson, but also again, a referendum on kind of where equipment is at and not just at, but, but going, there's going to be 10 Bryson's by 2028 and not just one of them. Before we turn our attention to the Sony open, we could play a little trivia. So this will be the seventh trip to wings foot. The prior six winners, uh, I'll give you Bryson. That was 2020. Do we want to take a stab at the other the other five? Here? I can give you years if that'll help. Well, we got G off. Yep, that was 2006. Jeff Ogilvie, one-shot victory, five over par. One-shot we victory have- over Jim Furyk, Mark- Phil Mickelson, Colin, Morka- uh, Colin <laughs> Montgomery. <laughs> Morikawa was like Speaking four years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, we got uh, Bobby Jones beat Al Espinosa in nineteen twenty nine. Uh, that is correct. Six over you. par <laughs> in a in a playoff. Guess you know. Do you know what the winner's share was that year in nineteen twenty nine? It was like four hundred dollars, but he beat him by twenty three strokes, so he should have gotten more than four hundred dollars. Uh, a thousand. Okay. Uh, okay. I went down a rabbit hole for that. <laughs> That U.S. Open, he he won the playoff by twenty three strokes. They played thirty six holes, but still, Espinosa shot eighty eighty four in the playoff. Yeah, it, it's actually so. The, so Wikipedia has the scorecard. It's actually really, it's pretty ugly. It's it's, pretty it's ugly. insane. And Bobby Jones doubled the first hole, and he was down two. Yep. And then he won by twenty five over the next thirty five holes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, I was not expecting that that rabbit hole. So we've got. I, I just yeah. I got. We've got lost. Bryson. We've got Bryson twenty twenty Ogilvy two thousand six Bobby Jones nineteen twenty nine. The other ones are are. Uh, I'll be impressed if you get any of them. Well, one was the massacre at Wingfoot, which was in like nineteen seventy six or something. I'm gonna throw a name that's wrong. Hubert Green. You are correct that 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 is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Felt wrong. Okay. Uh, 1974, Kyle. 1974. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't remember. I should remember because I read a bunch about it, but I I, I don't remember who won. Hale Irwin. Oh. Seven over. Okay. Two stroke victory over Forrest Fesler. Sure. That's who I was thinking of for the my next guess. We've got uh, what two more? Eight eighty four and fifty nine. Eighty four. 84. 84. Like I'll tell you, 84 was uh, a playoff. The runner-up was Greg Norman. Hmm. Does that help at all? That's when they did 18 holes, too. Uh, Nick Nick Price? He would have been too young, probably. Yeah. Fuzzy That's Zeller? Okay. Wouldn't have got that. And then did, did was was fifty nine? Um, this might be dumb, but did Davis Love win there? Davis Love the second. <laughs> Davis Love the second. Uh, no, that was okay. that was Billy Casper's year. Okay, there you Billy, go. Billy. Boy. I just remember Davis, when Davis, Davis Love, Love the third, third won a PGA there, correct. and I remember there was something about maybe it was just that his father had passed away, but there was some like intimate connection there. I didn't know if his dad had won there. or... Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, he yes. won the PGA there in like 96 or 97? Uh, 97. Correct. Okay. Well done, gents. That's more than I thought we were going to get. Uh, let's look at this week. Sony Open, first full field event of the year, and it wouldn't be the start of the year, Patrick, without Tom Kim being the favorite. Here we go. This is the Ascension. Uh, this time last year, he was on the Asian Tour. Now he's a top 15 player in a full field event on the PGA tour. And he's the favorite to win. Pretty impressive. And look, I've been kind of down on Tom Kim in general, and he's proven me wrong at every step of the way. And even at a course last week at Kapalua, you would think, okay, it's too big for him. It doesn't really play into his strengths and leads the field strokes gain T to green T five finish there next to Ram on Sunday. Uh, so and now he's coming to a course where you heard him uh, after his round. He's like, yeah, people are telling me that Wiley is a course that's tailor made for my game. Couldn't be more excited. And he, he's the rightful favorite. It's, it's pretty incredible to say about a 20 year old that a lot of people didn't know about this time last year. And so it, I'm just along for the ride at this point. I've been proven wrong enough. I don't want to attack Tom Kim any which way in the betting markets and it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins. He does. Tom Kim is my father at this point. <laughs> the twenty year old kid is my father. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see how he handles the the situation. I doubt he looks at betting markets or anything like that. But it, it's kind of just rightful <laughs> given how he's played so far. That would be amazing if he did. I, you know, I, Patrick, I think we're a little bit thinking about Tom Kim. Uh, incorrect. There's there's two different. There, there's almost two different leagues on in professional golf, right? There's the majors and the sort of like big 
ballpark big boy events and then there's places like the sony open where tom kim should thrive honestly like it negates what he does poorly and it accentuates what he what he does really well and right now he's one of the best iron players in the world i think last three months it's him and hoagie are the two best ball strikers in this field you can correct me if i'm wrong there rick but it's it's something like that and i i just i think we we almost need to and at this point, honestly, because he's so young, I'm a little bit hesitant to discount Tom Kim, even at the majors or at a place like Tory. I mean, look at what he did at Kapalua. That was that's super impressive for somebody who's just really, really short. I mean, just objectively, he's just short, like he's not long at all. And that wasn't a Skip Bayless, uh, Ricky Fowler's too like physically short to win a major championship. I mean, he's short off his the hands tee. are too small. Or that, that, commer- <laughs> yeah. that commercial, that phone commercial. He's short. He's short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, I almost feel like we need this. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else who's like this, Rick, uh, who, who has like, like can like really thrive at, at YLI or colonial or, you know, different, uh, RBC heritage, almost like a web Simpsony kind of. And yeah. I think, uh, Isner. Yeah. And I think that, I think that Tom Kim is actually a deserving, if he was, if, if this was Tory and he was a favorite, I'd be like, okay, this is out of control, but because mm-hmm. it's YLI, you're like, okay, that, I, yeah. Like I, it's a little bit of the hype, but it's also the the statistics back it up, you know? So I, I think, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm both with you, or I, I am with you in that Tom Kim continues to prove all of us wrong. But also I sort of agree with you that when we get to Oak Hill or Augusta, I'm a little bit hesitant to kind of like make him one of the top five favorites. Here's the other thing though. And I, and I get it. He's, he's, he's not long off the tee. And, and there are plenty of examples of short guys off the tee. But it feels like he's just so much better at everything else than the other short guys, right? Like we talked – we were rattling off names the other day. And if you go and look at – obviously, it's a small sample size. But this season, uh, you know, his his driving is like, okay, yeah, it's, it's Chris Stroud. It's – uh, Kevin Kisner, it's Scott Piercy, it's Doc Redman. It's, you know, like that's that's how he is off the tee, but he is exponentially better than all of those guys in like every other facet. So my, my, the math, the math problem, it just shifts, Patrick. Yeah. And that's what my tiny brain is having uh, trouble kind of gathering here is like we said with Bryson, it's these young guys coming out, coming onto the tour. They can all pound the ball, you know, 300 carry off the tee. And so when you see a young guy like Tom Kim not be able to do that, you think, okay, like he's going to probably struggle at some of these bigger golf courses. But like you said, it's just he shifts the bigger piece of the pie to the approach play one week. The next week it's the putting. And so he gets it done just a different way that we're not used to seeing from this modern golfer. Right. Uh, And so that's kind of what I've struggled a little bit to wrap my head around. So I just looked up two names to, to your point, Rick, I just looked up two names that are kind of in his sphere uh, in terms of length. One is Kevin Na, and uh, while they are similar in terms of iron play and short game, Tom Kim's a lot more accurate off the tee, right? So he, he does that really well. And then another one's Russell Knox and Russell Knox has a really great approach game. Um, but Tom Kim's short game is a lot better than Russell Knox. So I think that that sort of proves your point that, um, he's not a can't lay in that he doesn't have any holes. He has a really big hole and it, it might be a really important hole as we talk about his future. But I think it's a really great point that he does everything else so well that it a little bit, makes up for it in ways that, you know, it doesn't for a Russell Knox or a Kevin Na. So I think he's objectively and subjectively better than those guys. And I think it makes sense why, but it's easy also to kind of lump him into that category. But I will say like, it makes your like weeks in which you win, you got to be kind of perfect, right? Driving distance covers up a multitude of sins, you know, like (laughs) it, it, it really bails you out of a lot of different things. And so it makes it difficult for you to win or contend when you're not 
very long, except at places like Wild. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case this week, but uh, I don't know. I, I, those are kind of some of my thoughts on kind of where Tom Kim is at right now. The rest of the top five on the betting board, as mentioned, Tom Kim eleven to one, Sung Jay twelve to one, Jordan Spieth back in action, along with Brian Harmon at sixteen to one, and then Hideki Matsuyama at eighteen to one. So. Patrick, when you look at this, we've got, you know, how many wins between uh, Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, they're, they're playing second fiddle to the, on the odds board to Tom Kim this week, but they're, I mean, there's still, there's some pretty solid guys in action. And that's before you even get to the Tom Hoagies of the world and all the young guys. Exactly. Hideki Matsuyama to me is still, I think I've said it before, just the most difficult man to figure out on the PGA yeah. tour. Impossible. You, you have no idea what's going on with him. And then he's right next to the, maybe the second most difficult man to figure out on the PGA tour in Jordan speed. Uh, so there's a lot of volatility between the two of them. I, I know they're up there in the odds board and Spieth, I, I guess he's just knocking off one of these normal events quickly, uh, staying an extra week in Hawaii, but played here four times prior, as you'd expect a couple missed cuts, a couple good finishes. Hideki, obviously the defending champion. And Sung JM is really interesting to me this week. Just uh, I think the number is pretty decent from a betting perspective. And then also, like, we need to see. I know he's only 24, but I'd like to see Sung Jay win here soon. Uh, he hasn't won in over a calendar year. Last one was in Vegas down in uh, your neck of the woods there, Rick. And he's just played some really solid golf and hasn't been rewarded for it. Uh, you think about he had like three runner up there uh, late in the summer. So. I'm interested to see what Sung JM is going to do this week. Uh, he's been playing well over a prolonged period of time. So uh, it, it's definitely a very interesting betting board outside of Tom Kim. There are a couple of guys that I just kind of earmarked for conversation, KP. But we can go in, we can go in any direction. There's this real, this real storyline with only 70 guys locking up their cards at the end of the year. No longer is finishing 120th gonna do the trick. And some of these guys, like a Taylor Montgomery, who got off to a hot start in the fall, Alex Smalley, who had three straight, uh, straight top 15 finishes, even Matt McNeely put together uh, a, a decent stretch. Like them earning those points in the fall now ready to try to continue that because it's believe it or not it'll be august before you know it and somebody's going to be sitting 72nd thinking oh man uh, this really stinks that this is the first year and i'm getting i'm getting banged with this yeah i think you're gonna see you're gonna see this increase next year right when uh guys that you know are on the fringe of even being able to be in the elevated events are uh are kind of fighting it out at, at places like Sony. And I think that I actually think that's pretty interesting because it's consequential golf. It's meaningful. You gotta, you gotta kind of play your way into not just the major championships, but even a, maybe a place like the Phoenix open. And so I'm, I think that's when there's a, you know, I, I think the PGA tour has done a, and we've criticized them for this before. They've done a bad job of kind of flattening everything. Everything's just sort of the same. And FedEx cut points are kind of all the same. And it, it, it's not a very consequential way to run your league. It might be the best short-term business model. I don't know that it's like the best for your long-term product. And uh, yeah, to, I mean, to in a roundabout way of answering your question, there's certainly more urgency earlier in the year than I think there has ever uh, somebody like a Russell Henley. I don't know where Russell Henley is in the FedEx cup, but he goes to Sony with <clears throat> a lot more urgency than maybe in years past where it's like, Oh, well, if I finish 80th or 87th or whatever, I'm in the, you know, th that, that doesn't exist anymore. And that's, uh, that's great. I think that's a good thing. I don't know that it will necessarily be a huge shift for fans overall or for, Kind of the consumer of the PGA Tour, but um, it's certainly kind of a uh, kind of an undercurrent there as as we jump into these non-elevated events. We can do our best bets. Anything else Sony Open related that we would like to chat pull on? Up the, hey, uh, producer Troy, pull up this latest comment from Brett, four thirty four. He says, do you think the 70, so moving to, to FedEx cut playoffs being 70 instead of 125 will make the lower tier guys play more on average? Yes, I do. Because, and this is Joseph Lamagna has been big on this. If, if you guys follow him on Twitter and this is kind of dumb, but like your 
best path to winning the FedEx Cup playoffs, if even if you're a top player, is to play the worst events. Right? You're incentivized to play the worst events because you play 3M, it's only 50 less FedEx Cup points than Riviera. And it's so much easier to to finish in the top five, top 10, top 15, whatever. Um, so yes, I, I do think that will lead to lower tier guys playing more, which I don't really know what that means. I don't know if that means guys that have kind of these weird lifetime exemptions, like a JJ Henry, do they get boxed out? Do corn fairy guys get boxed out? The, the, if you've ever seen a field, uh, uh, what, what am I looking for here, Rick? Like an exemption exemptions into a field, mm-hmm. the pr- priority, the priority list. Oh, the priority list. Okay. It's unbelievably complex. It's really complicated. It, it's yeah. a mess. Most and guys, most guys don't even know. Like you'll ask, I, I've asked guys like, oh, are you getting into whatever? And he's like, I don't know. It's too like, it's so I, I, my agent will tell me or whatever. <laughs> right. So I don't, so all that to say, I don't know who's getting bounced. If like, a again, Russell Henley plays five more events than he did the year before. But I, I do think guys are incentivized to play more of the lower tier events than they otherwise, uh, would be in a kind of a normal year. Uh, I was, I had this kind of on the outline and then there was this comment and do you want to talk about this Kyle? Sure. All right. So, and I've been, I'm sure we've all been victim of this at some point, right? So, so Kyle, you tweeted out, I think it was yesterday that uh, you had posted a video of Jordan Spieth going over, talking to those guys behind the green at the Tournament of Champions, which is uh, something we all saw. They were, he could hear him talking in his in his in his uh, putting stroke. You posted that video to Twitter. You got a message, note, email from the PGA Tour yeah. asking yeah. you to take it down. Yeah. So this happens a bunch, and I wasn't surprised to get an email. I was actually surprised to get an email rather than a DMCA, which is basically where they just remove your content and say, don't do this again, or you get suspended from your social media account or whatever. Uh, so the way that I framed the tweet actually, I think was, didn't convey properly that the, the PGA tour didn't ask me to take the video down because of what Jordan Spieth said, or because there was like gambling adjacent content in it or anything like that. It was more so because they had also posted the video and their media rights will not allow them to, um, their media rights are basically like, they have to tell people like me to take a video that I filmed on my phone off of Twitter, off of Instagram, off of YouTube, whatever. I completely understand that. I am, I am very like cognizant of the way those media rights contracts work. The argument that I made on Twitter and that I made to them via email was, listen, I understand this, but other leagues have figured out how to let their most influential um, creators or or, um, people that talk about their league, their product, essentially, post stuff everywhere. And I think it's, again, a long-term bad play if you're trying to curtail how much your most influential people that are talking about your product are talking about your product. You should, you should, you should figure out a way to put in your contracts in your media rights, whatever it is. And the NBA has figured this out or they've just looked the other way or whatever. And they've grown. It's the NBA is better because of it, right? Like you, you are more aware of NBA stuff because the NBA tells worldwide Wob or whatever his name is, Rob Perez, that he can post whatever he wants. And I just, at a time where the tour is, is not in the greatest position that they've ever been in. I just don't know that that's the fight that they necessarily need to fight. Now I legally contractually, I understand. And I'm curious about y'all's thoughts, but I just, and I told them, I was like, I I just really disagree with kind of your long-term position on something like this. Uh, as someone who's been a victim of the DMCA in the past, Patrick, like this, this to me is beyond frustrating. It's bonkers. It's uh, like it's like MLB for so many people who get paid zero cents 
from their league that they love and enjoy and want to talk about and want to create conversation about to get slapped with something like this is like it's it's actually it's actually insulting it, no matter if you have a hundred thousand followers a hundred followers if you want to enjoy tweeting a video that you took off your phone of you enjoying watching something on t like go for it i i i i agree that it is i understand why it's happening i believe it to be incredibly short-sighted i agree i don't i don't really have much more to add besides that i agree with both of you guys and i don't understand the point of taking down a viral video that is promoting your product essentially even if it's a bad video like people still are talking about the pga tour like i think like the pictures of like patrick reed i don't know if any of those got taken down but that was electric at tory pines like why, why why would you not i understand you got to protect the players and everything and the contracts yada 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 just just move on figure a way around it and i think everyone will be happier better off for it well and i think you know one of the arguments i saw or heard was like well kyle shouldn't be making money off of the pga tours product and uh <laughs> first of all like that's literally what my job is uh, <laughs> second of all i don't directly make money off of a video that i it's not like there's some secret Twitter thing where I get paid money to post, like if a video gets a bunch of views or something like that. And thirdly, like the more people like us grow as content distributors, the better it is for the PGA tour, right? Because we're talking about their product. Like I it just, to me, it's a short term, like, Hey, well, this is what the contract says. I understand. I get it. And I, and I will take it down. I will comply because I understand, but it's such a short term mindset that doesn't take into account the long-term sustainability of your product, which is going to be, I mean, we're in, we're, uh, we don't need to go too deep into this. We're moving into, we've already moved into this like creator economy where creators move, like run the market in a lot of ways. Do you think the PGA yeah. tour account gets more engagement than like the no laying up account? No. Why do you, why do you think the entire promotional marketing effort for Callaway's new paradigm was good, good, Howie yeah. Ledbetter, Roger Steele, Rich, like literally every content creator. And like, maybe the golfers are using it too. I don't know. But like these guys are telling you it's good. Yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't John Rahm telling you that the last hour was commercial free. Right. It, it was Roger Steele. Right. For a reason. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I think that some leagues have embraced that. Um, and some have not. And the tour is one that, and, and again, I emailed them this and just in a nice way, I wasn't like a jerk about it, but I just said, I, I think this is a, a, uh, I didn't say foolish, but it, I think essentially, I think this is a foolish long-term play because you want people like me and Rick and Patrick, I didn't use your all's names, um, but you want us to, posting videos, talking about your product, uh, one person commented and said, Hey, I forgot Spieth was playing. And when you posted that video, I watched the rest of the weekend. Now that's not everybody, but it, that that's the sort of effect that happens there. Um, or maybe somebody checks the Spieth score on the PGA tour app or whatever. Even if that stuff doesn't happen, it just makes people more aware of your product. And that is so much more valuable than, than, um, like, you retaining all these like very specific um, parameter based rights uh, or media rights that uh, that are in the contract. Yeah, thank you for not using my name specifically. I'm already in too much trouble <laughs> with the PGA Tour. I gotta, I've got to be on my best behavior for a while. Um, all right, here's what we're going to do. We got to do our best bets. We have to do our one and done selections. We'll start with our best bets, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. 
This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> 9 over 8. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Here we go. This is where we go over to Caesars and we put down 50 nuggets on a matchup, 30 on any finishing position that we want, and two separate $10 wagers on two outrights. Kyle, I have to uh, go let the dog in. He's barking outside the door. So tell me what your matchup is for this week's Sony Open and Vamp for at least 20 seconds. What a professional setup this is. Uh, do we have the? Do we have it here, uh, producer Troy? Maybe producer Troy to let his dog in too, <laughs> or out. Uh, I've got. Uh, I went back and forth on this, Patrick. I've got Tom Hoagie over Russell Henley. At first, I actually had the opposite of Rick. I had Corey Connors over Taylor Montgomery. I I needed to get Hoagie in somewhere just because of how well he's hitting the golf ball and. I don't love having him over Henley at Wiley, but uh, he's been he's been the best iron player in the world over the last three months, at least of guys that are in this field. And so I had to get him in uh, somewhere in into this uh, this betting board. Uh, hopefully, he'll show some more signs of life than uh, his horned frogs did last night. Oh my gosh! I was that was it. Every time I, I just I did the same thing nine times. Every time I looked at the TV, I went, "They scored again!" Every time. It was Hard. it was incredible. Ugh. Uh, Patrick Keegan Bradley's on a diet. The Keegan Bradley diet minus one ten over Mav McNeely looks good, feels good. You think he's going to play good? I do. And, and look, last week I, I went minus one hundred fifty dollars because I'm an in- entertainer at heart. I got to let <laughs> you guys get off to a big lead. Got to be like John Rom a little bit. Just wait in the shallows and then pounce when the moment's right. Uh, I'm going to get right this week, though. Keegan Bradley, minus 110 over McNeely, like you said. It's really a ball striker versus a putter. We've seen bad putters putt very well here. Kind of flat, glassy surfaces, and easier putting greens typically favor the better ball striker. And McNeely just – I'm not I'm not in love with this game. I can't trust him tee to green. I, I know he's really good on the greens, but Keegan has a pair of T12s here to the last uh, few years, so I, I like that bet at minus 110. And he played last week, so the rust is off. Yeah, minus 110 over Mav McNeely. I'm just going to – I'm I'm all aboard the Taylor Montgomery train. Plus 105 over Corey Connors. Literally the only argument in Corey Connors' favor is that he has putted well here in the past. He's been dismal. He was he was he's been bad since the tour championship. He was horrible at the President's Cup. Taylor Montgomery's been stout, played seven times in the fall, had six top fifteens. He's probably gonna be the rookie of the year. I I don't buy the Corey Connor stuff. Taylor Montgomery, giddy up. Connor's been good at this course. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, which I think is probably less important than how bad he's been recently. I hope so. That's that is that is my hope. Uh, any finishing position in the whole wide world that you want, Kyle, where would you like to go? Yeah, I got Keith Mitchell top 20. Keith Mitchell, somebody that if you look at his fa- last five years at Sony, he, he he's not necessarily like the guy that you would think of in terms of course fit for while because his, you know, super power is how far he can hit the golf ball. But uh, he's really improved at while he had a T seven last year, uh, and he and he kind of had improved over the last five years at uh, at the Sony. I, I think he, Keith Mitchell's really a candidate to have a year in which he. I don't know that he's going to make the Ryder Cup team, but maybe threatens it. Maybe he's kind of on the fringe of that. Maybe gets into the. I don't know what he's ranked right now. Like that's a fun game to play. Actually, like what do you think he's ranked, Patrick? Uh, Seventy seven. I'll say like 92. I have no idea, but he's somebody that I think could get into the top 30 in the world, top 25 in the world at some point. 57, 57. Okay. 93 in the FedEx cup though. So all the, everybody that's like 60 to 110 is just like interchangeable to me. Like you might as well be like, there's no difference. Yeah. That was, that was the, how 
we birthed Scott Stallings, but then he became good and like ruined the whole bit, which was super <laughs> annoying. Okay, when that happened. Uh, I'm going Hayden Buckley top twenty. Drive it well. He drives it very well. I'm a believer in the kid. This is the tournament where I just play my guys. It's been three months. I haven't been able to play my guys. I'm playing my guy. I guess it's been six weeks, not three months. Uh, I'm playing my guys. Top 20 plus 280. Patrick, you found one that's even longer uh, than Kyle and I. I. I like this one a lot. He's not really my guy per se, but Russ Knox, top 20 plus 450. Uh, Kyle kind of pointed him out when we were talking about Tom Kim, right? Really accurate off the tee. Good drive or a good iron player as well, but he, he's pretty dismal uh, on the greens. But T7 last year has another top 10 recently as well. Uh, I kind of liken him to like a poor man's Russell Henley. Uh, and we all know what Russ can do around here. And he always pokes his head around these shorter golf courses. So I really like that price for a top 20. Couple of outrights. We get two cracks at this. And look at us. The shortest one between six outrights is 35. No, I'm sorry. No, I've got a TK. <laughs> I got too excited. I got too yeah, excited. I, I I blew that. I'll, I'll go. I, I've got Mitchell, who I already talked about. I mean, I know Mark said last week that Tom, there's not a better golf course for Tom Kim than TPC Sawgrass. I would disagree. I think YOI is, is just an incredible golf course for Tom Kim. And I was a little down on him on Sunday, which is not indicative of kind of my overall position on Tom Kim. And I just, I love him this week. We'll, we'll get to more of that later on. Breaking news. <laughs> John Huh has just withdrawn from the Sony oh, Open. Gosh, what will we do? And he has been, he has been replaced Can with we Jonathan Bird. Bird. <laughs> it made it really easy to guess after I gave you his first name, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Tom Kim, Keith Mitchell for Kyle. I'm going with Svenny, just won the RSM Classic, and this is like a great spot for him. And Cam Davis, who, again, one of my guys, drives it so well, completely underrated the rest of his game. It's time. 35 to 1 for Cam Davis. Patrick, you exclusively went with guys who go by initials. Yeah, and they played last week. Uh, I know the trends out there, 17 out of 24 winners here, played the week prior, eight out of the last nine. J.J. Spawn, do not look at his course history. It is really, really bad. Really? But do you know what he hasn't done ever before? He's never played the week before. And he T5 there at the Tournament of Champions, fifth in strokes gained T to green. Really accurate off the tee, six and par four scoring uh, over the last six months. I love JJ Spawn this week. Uh, and JT Poston is a guy who played last week as well. He gained off the tee, uh, led the field in driving accuracy also, which I, I don't know how much to put in that since the fairways are a zillion miles wide. Uh, but he bled strokes on and around the greens. That typically doesn't happen for someone like JT Poston. So I think he bounces back. Cam Davis, Adam Svensson, JJ Spawn, JT Post, and Keith Mitchell, Tom Kim, the six outrights for the Sony Open this week. And now we've got to determine our absolute best bet, our money ball, the thing that can do no wrong. Patrick, we'll just bounce this right back to you. Where are you going to spend your extra 50 smackers? Uh, I'm going back to the the Keegan Bradley minus 110 over Matt McNeely. Uh, I think it's priced incorrectly, and I think – Bradley just has a much higher floor than McNeely. McNeely's all putter. Bradley, great ball striker. Putter's coming around. And so I, I love that bet this week. Skinny Keegs. He, he really did lose 30 pounds. I didn't realize that. Yes. His diet, he described as if it walks, swims, or flies, I can eat it. If it yeah. doesn't, I can't. He said he also ate some Amen. fruit. So I don't Amen know. If, diet. I don't know. If, <laughs> pineapple is walking but uh he, he threw so i've got tom kim top 10 uh i i think that maybe that's too obvious of a pick but he he's for all the hype about his sort of disposition and his demeanor and all that which i'm in on uh he's he's a really great iron player or he's been a really great iron player and this is a place where you want to be a really great, I mean, you want to be a great iron player everywhere, but this is a place that it really, really matters. And so I'm in on, uh, on him finishing in the top 10. I've opted for a three ball, which I haven't done recently, <clears throat> but 
I saw it was Cam Davis plus 155, who obviously I love. I, I picked him as an outright wager as well, over Andrew Putnam and Christian Bezatenhout. And I said, nah, that's we, we got this from the Aussie. And plus 155 for my money ball felt like a good way to deploy my fun. So it's Cam Davis over Putnam and Bez, Keegan Bradley over Mav McNeely, and Tom Kim finished inside the top 10, the best wagers for this week's Sony Open. Leaves us with one thing to do, gents, and there is just a lot of controversy happening. So I think we'll reset. We'll take a quick break, and we'll talk about it on the other side. And we're back. Mark Immelman is in a pickle, and he has us in a pickle. So for those who were unaware, we entered our one and done selections for last week on the show, on the show, the official show of record. Xander Shoffley was Mark's pick. Yet when we revealed it on Sunday night, somehow John Romp was Mark's selection. That was confusing. We start digging through the documents. We start calling around. We come to find out that uh, after the deadline, Mark had reached out directly to producer Troy to change his pick from Xander to John Rahm amongst all the back injury concerns. When, when did he do that, Rick? I believe it would have been Tuesday. Did we find out it was Tuesday? No, it was Wednesday. Yeah. Wow. Wednesday. Patrick, what's your take? This, uh, it's it's a sad day in America. You, you never you never want something. <laughs> never meet your heroes, Patrick. You, you never want something like this to happen. We had Kyle M on the show. He said specifically, he got into that contest because of Mark. That's right. And this is how Mark repays him. And look, I don't wow. know Mark all too well. I've only done a couple shows with him, um, but. It's just, it's tough. I've, I've certainly lost sleep over it. I can't imagine how he's feeling in the moment. And we, we used to be a country, but this is, this is where you might have to draw the line. The, uh, the thing that really, it, I, I think I'm still pro him keeping his 2.7, but it, you know, after, uh, after we realized that, Xander actually got $0. So it was either zero or 2.7. That's tough. Like it just is, I don't know. I think that we were at fault for not having a more hard and steadfast rule in place. I think that's right. So I don't think he did anything illegal. I just think it was immoral. Immoral. I couldn't put, it, it, couldn't put it better myself, Rick. It goes against the spirit of the of the game. You know, he should probably disqualify. It's like Tiger at the at the thirteen Masters, just to disqualify himself. Who was it at a uh, Harbor Town that one year in the playoff? Was it Brian Gay? Out the of the reeds? He, he said, "Oh he, like, yeah, touched the reed." Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Yep, it's like that. It's like that commercial where the, <clears throat> the kids are playing basketball, and he's like, "Coach, I touched the ball. It was off me." It, it's it's integrity. Um, and so this is, like I said, just a, a sad day. In well, I think the hard part, the hard, I know we're all joking, but the hard part is, um, Greg wanted to do the same thing, right? He wanted to, and this is where it gets into, I like, not needed to have a, have a better rule. So did see it. Yeah. Greg knew that Xander was out and he thought that, and I think, I mean, this has always been the rule is that like whoever you picked, unless they withdrew, you couldn't change it. Right. That is, I don't know if it was a rule, but that is all how we it's an unspoken rule. Right. It's 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 it is how we we acted. Yes. That is how we've proceeded with this contest. I, I think the only fair way to settle this is and Kyle. Uh, I know you picked John Rom, so. I don't really want you in this part of the conversation, but I think the rest of us, the entire group, we just, we all get 2.7 million. Wow. wow. Okay. No, <laughs> that seems, that seems aggressive. That. Even for me, who has 200,000. I, I, I I'm out on that. Uh, 
Maybe we should make him sit a week out or something. That seems like that seems fair. See, there's also there's also another factor here that Mark cares about this way more than anybody else cares about this and that he takes it very, very seriously. And I kind of like having for the next 34 weeks an asterisk next yeah. to his like that that the fact that if he goes on to win this and it's any sense of dirty any like it's just gonna that's gonna eat him alive i feel like i feel like that's the punishment we just uh, never let him forget it mental Corey, warfare cory in the chat is suggesting that uh or maybe somebody else so alex in the chat is suggesting that we should start this week instead of last week that's a that's a great idea it's not bad. I mean, it also penalizes not for Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, that's tough for me. I was so I was, like at the end of the tournament, I was so excited because I was like, oh, I was the only one that had ROM. And then we get on there and I was like, whoa, wait a second. What's going on here? Yeah, Kyle, I knew you we were pumped because you even wrote in the live blog. You're like, oh, this could turn out great for me. I have ROM and one and done. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what else to put in the live blog, but I actually think the most telling the most telling thing about this is he reached out to Troy directly instead of going to the group chat. We have debated these these instances in the group chat many a time. To go directly to producer Troy makes me think he was trying to get away with something. Mm. He said he wasn't part of the group chat, which He's is full of it. He is not, absolutely involved. That's not in true for sure. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. What should we do? What should we do, Patrick? Honestly, I, I think I think it's fine. I kind of feel bad for Greg and Sia, though. I think. Okay, maybe that's so. We can't yeah. penalize Kyle here. Can't what if we Kyle. give Greg and Sia the two hundred thousand for last place instead of the zero for Xander? That'll get them basically to where everyone else is. Who knows who they would have switched to? Yeah. I I I like th- that. I think that's I think that's fine. good. And then and then we still have a card to play against Mark if he wins. Correct. Mm-hmm. And then then we can't punish Kai. I think Kyle's not getting punished by starting over. <laughs> I, 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 w- would, I would love tough. to see Kyle M and Mark on an episode together soon, though. Well, uh, yeah. Hopefully, Kyle like M brings that, that hot Phoenix, look baby. Look at looking up to his looking up to the guy he wants to take down, and Mark's pulling out all the shady stunts he can to beat the guy who donated a lot of money to a to a children's hospital. Wow, sad. Day. You hate you hate. I hate it when that happens. You hate <laughs> it when that happens. It's a tale as old as time. Yeah, it really is. Uh, no, I'm I'm pro adding. I I don't, I don't think Sia and and Craig because they were operating by the spirit of the rules mm-hmm. i don't think they should get punished for that all right we'll crank them back up to two hundred thousand. okay and we'll go from there and we'll have an asterisk on mark's pick for the rest mm-hmm. of the year i have the one and done results for or the entries for this week um let's start with well we'll start with greg and sia uh greg is a lone wolf he has Ooh. opted for taylor montgomery which I love. Good for him. Sia, also a lone wolf, has opted for Corey Connors. Do we have this slide somewhere? I don't want to just share that screen. Is that it, Troy? I can keep going. Um, Okay. So Sia went with... Thank you. Yes. Okay. Sia with Corey Connors, Greg with Taylor Montgomery. Okay, there's the updated $200,000. The fans went with Tommy Kim, which KP, so did you and I. Yep. I I mean, listen, like, I think you're, I think you are, it's going to be hard for me to pick him at an elevated event or at a major. And so you're getting a top 15 type player at, at a, at a place where he should not dominate, but should play well. So this to me was kind of the place to play him, maybe a colonial or something like that, but I don't know what his schedule is going to be. So I, I kind of went with him here. Yeah. Probably our last chance to get him as uh, the favorite 
maybe depending on how the rest of his year goes on a golf course that I think is a really good fit for him at a time he's playing really, really well. So Tom Kim for myself, Kyle, and the fans. Patrick, you've opted for, oh, wow, you're really going for this. JJ Spawn. You know there are other players in the field, right? Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to go with Tom Kim myself, but I figured it'd be a big Tom week. And I guessed right between the Kim and Hoagie. And look, you're you're getting Tom Kim at his absolute peak right now, in my opinion. Tournament favorite for the first time ever. Popularity at an all-time high. what you high. want? Yeah, but look, once he misses the cut, potentially, we got three guys with no money. And so you, you got to play a little game theory here, in my opinion. Oh. And I and I think I think a lot – well, I'm also thinking, like, Rick, for your contest too, this is how I'm thinking also. Yeah, that's a good one for me. Which is probably wrong that I'm doing the same for both of these. <laughs> but I am, so there's no going back. The same pick for – a, a league of 1100 or eight exactly <laughs> probably probably not the uh i mean we got three of eight with tom kim and so I, i'm cool not riding the one and done with him this week i probably should have gone with like sung jay honestly but i'm with jj spawn if tom kim misses this cut i will have someone different by sunday night don't you worry about it Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, I I almost picked Sung Jay and I almost picked Spieth. I, mm-hmm. I I legit thought about Spieth. I, I'm I'm gonna play him at probably Augusta or Hoylake, which is yeah. why I didn't. But I mean, you want to pick sort of these. You well, it depends, but you. Uh, I think if two or three or fewer guys are picking them, you kind of want to pick the unique favorites. Like Tom Kim, like Rick said, is not going to be a favorite again. So, I mean, if everybody's picking him, that's bad. But I think if only two or three guys are picking him, I think that's okay, right? Especially at this point in the season, very, very early. Yeah. Kyle M., our moral compass, has opted <laughs> has opted for Tom Hoagie. He's right in the middle of the pack. He's at 229000 right below Patrick. So he went with Hoagie. Hoagie's been uh, flying high, riding hot, probably a little bit disappointed about the results of the national title game, but he can certainly uh, get himself around Wiley, I would imagine, Patrick. Yeah. Um yeah, and, and like Kyle said, he's been one of the best iron players over the last six months. So should be a good fit. <sighs> Crooked Mark took Russell Henley. He'll probably win. <laughs> he probably will win. And he even told us about this on Sunday. Yeah. And I told him, Patrick, I was like, you don't need to tell us. Just get just <laughs> submit your pick. Like that's all <laughs> you need to do. <laughs> Like you don't have to tell us five days in advance. Just get it in by Tuesday at five. He's going through all the channels now, tweeting it yeah. out by by yeah. the hour. Some, he some, wants he. You don't want a paper trail until you really want a paper trail. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow found the location of the group chat. Congratulations, Mark. Um, so here we go in order from top to bottom. Mark Russell Henley tied with Kyle, who went with Tom Kim. I also went with Tom Kim. Patrick went with JJ Spawn. Kyle M went with Tom Hoagie. The fans opted for Tom Kim. Greg and Sia both tied at $200,000. Greg went with Taylor Montgomery. Sia went with Corey Connors. Those are the one and done selections. And they will not change unless one of these golfers WDs before the tournament starts, in which we will allow them to choose someone else. Yeah. Just like it's always been. Mm-hmm. Just like it's always been. Didn't even think I'd have to say something like that. Yeah, you, I mean, <laughs> you would think. Anything else, Jens? Uh, uh, go ahead, got, Patrick. Okay. Um, I, I saw Fire Sports ask a question about like one and done strategy. Oh, yeah, there's, for the it, it was one. actually it was it was too reasonable and too. Uh, too much of a good question for the show, but here it was. Uh, I have one specific question. How much does differentiating from chalk matter this early into the one and done season? Do you want to tackle that, Patrick? Well, I think if you're in a big one like Rex or I, I know Pat Mayo has one as well. That's pretty large. I think around 4,000. Um, I think a pretty decent strategy is kind of just avoiding the Tom Kim this week, who's probably, he could be like 15% in some of those contests. And then yeah. going with someone like a Sung JM or maybe even Hideki, who's flying really under the radar, like uh, KP said, a Spieth. Uh, I think just moving forward, that'd be a, a decent strategy for the season. Uh, yeah. Also very, very early, probably don't need to get too crazy. And then as we start to get a little bit further, play your position, your front run and play the favorites, you're chasing. Mm-hmm. 
get a little creative. Uh, get KP. Yeah. That, I mean, I had to get really creative at the end. I think I was picking like Webb Simpson for the tour championship. He wasn't even in the tour championship. <laughs> it, was, it was tough. Now somebody had a question earlier about, would you take, J- I can't remember where it was, but would you take JT's irons or Tom Kim's irons for the next five years? Was it four? There you go. Uh, it, this is not close for me. Justin Thomas. JT. Yeah. He's generationally great iron player. And, and the off speed. If you look at, so I took it, I took data golf back to January 1, 2015, which I don't think that was the, that was about the start of JT's professional career. In that time span, he's fourth in the world in approach play. So the guys above him, Colin Morikawa, Paul Casey, which is kind of surprising, I guess. Uh, Zalatoris is is right at where JT is at. So two of those guys, Markow and Zalatoris, have played a lot less, like half of the round, half of the measured rounds that, or maybe even less than that, um, that JT has played. Paul Casey is, is up there, but uh, Tom Kim is like 20th on that list in terms of the last like eight years. So... I think anecdotally it's JT, but also empirically it's also JT. Yeah. And as much as I love Tom Kim, he has like nine measured events. So we'll maybe maybe wait like nine more before we crown him. Uh and then see how that goes. Great iron player though. I mean like awesome. tremendous. Awesome. Round by round recaps Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Also, I don't want to spoil it because I hate to spoil these things in advance because sometimes stuff happens. But we could potentially, if things work out, have a special guest later in the week. That's all I'm really going to say. When are we taping that? Do we decide? I know we're still on the air. (laughs) (laughs) So we are still on the air. Uh, Let's talk scheduling. We will tape it. We'll tape it. 12 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Are you available? Uh, yeah. All right. It will then run at the end of the Thursday night recap. So we'll okay. do our quick Thursday recap, and then the second half of the show will be this recorded conversation with someone. someone. Yeah. I think they already guessed it in the chat. Actually, the, the only guess is Kevin <laughs> Na, which I can assure you that is not that is not who it is. I've got some questions for Kevin Na. Yeah, if for Kevin sure. Na wants to come, that'd be on, an interesting one. I'm not saying no, but that is not who we have scheduled for Thursday. All right, that'll do it. Producer Troy, all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. Patrick McDonald at Amateur Status. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.